Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good morning. Welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Knight Campbell, your host for The Leading Edge, Women Pushing Boundaries in Life, Adventure, and Leadership. Our topic today is Leadership in the Mountains with Chrissy Oaken. Chrissy is a mountaineering ranger on the tallest mountain in North America, Denali in Alaska, which she has summited several times, a ski patroller at Vail in Colorado. I met Chrissy on a 12-day winter backcountry skiing expedition she was leading for the National Outdoor Leadership School. Her quiet competence impressed me then, and the more I learned about her, the more impressed I became. Now she works as a ranger and ski patroller while contributing to the American Avalanche Institute to help make the backcountry a safer place for skiers off the grid. Today, I'm particularly excited to dig into Chrissy's experience and experiences in these traditionally male-centered fields, as well as glean some general leadership insights and tips for men and women to move forward. Good morning, Chrissy. Welcome. Morning, Knight. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. We don't get to talk often enough, so I'm going to invite you to more radio shows. Uh, <laughs> to start out, what should our listeners know about you? Yeah, so um, like you said, I work as a ski patroller in Colorado, and then I work for the National Park Service um, in the summer on Denali as a mountaineering ranger. I am originally from North Carolina. I grew up there. Um, I went to high school and college in Massachusetts, and then I didn't really start down this path of, uh, you know, search and rescue and doing all this outdoor stuff until after college. During college, I took a semester off to do a null semester, and that kind of inspired me to start off down this route. And, uh, you know, right after college, I think my parents thought maybe it was just a couple-year thing, and I might have thought that too at one point. But 12 years later, now this is my career, and I don't think I'm going to switch careers. So that's, that's awesome. And just for our listeners, to paint the picture, Chrissy is taking time out of her busy day. She's in full kit huge harness safety gear doing lift rescue so how to take people off of a broken lift at Vail so if you get on a broken lift there you'll be in good hands uh Chrissy my my next question (laughs) here is you know I I did some digging and I wasn't shocked to find out that you got your degree at Harvard that's a big shift how did you make that decision like you kind of mentioned the Knowles semester but yeah, I can imagine your parents thinking, oh, no, what's going on here? How was that for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and, you know, when I went into college, I think I'd just been on this trajectory uh, where I thought I was going to end up, you know, working in New York in business. Um, mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, you know, what I envisioned for myself in high school and then in college. And I did work for an investment bank uh, for a couple of summers in New York, Um but I think that kind of helped me realize that that wasn't really where I wanted to end up. So my junior year, I went back to school. I was feeling a little, not lost, but directionless. So I decided to 
to take a semester off, and I went down to Patagonia for three months with Knowles, the National Outdoor Leadership School, um, mm-hmm. and spent three months living outside, learning how to mountaineer, learning some wilderness medicine, uh, sea kayaking in this really remote, austere, intense environment. Um, and I came out of that experience just, you know, not not changed, but really inspired. Like I'd seen something I really enjoyed and uh, was kind of good at. And I went back to school and I was like, well, I'm not going back to New York. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, well, what, what should I do after school? I was like, well, I was really, you know, really enjoyed and was pretty good at the Knowles thing. Maybe I'll try and go work for them. Um, so, you know, I, I actually gave them a call and I asked them what I needed to do to work for them. And they told me, and for two years, I, after college, I built up my resume, uh, got some teaching experience and skills. And then I started working for Knowles in 2012. What a great story. I can, I cannot imagine you in an investment banking conference room, but, but I like to think about that. Um, you know, I, one of the, I fundamentally disagree with what I'm about to say, but a rock climbing instructor guide once started off a day of climbing uh, for me and another group saying that we're lucky that we get to do this because it doesn't contribute to society in any way. And I just really disagree with that. And you've gone from, you know, the paradigm of society and contributing and investment banking in New York to uh, climbing giant mountains and skiing and keeping people safe on the mountain. How do you view that? Do you view it as contributing or not? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. And I I think that was one of the things that was um, stressful, I would say, switching, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the direction of my life right out of college. And I think it all has to do with your value system and your belief system, you know, like, what is, how can you do the most good for society? Or what what is contributing? And I think that can look like a lot of different things. I mean, just pure recreating, does that contribute? I don't know. But I think it's important. Uh, for people's mental health, for, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I think in my field, there are a whole bunch of different ways to contribute. Like that rock guide uh, who is taking you all out, I mean, that's contributing, right? Because you're teaching someone skills um, that they can mm-hmm. go on and use. And now what I'm doing, you know, um, you know, I, I take people off Vail Mountain who are recreating, but that feels uh, valuable, meaningful to me. And then the search and rescue I do on Denali, again, I'm just taking care of people recreating, but it still feels uh, meaningful and like I have a purpose. So I, I don't know. I guess it's just your value system and what's important to you. Yeah. That's, that's a great way of looking at it. Now you are pretty high up there. Pardon the pun. You know, you're a climbing ranger on Denali, the highest peak in, in North America. Um, you're ski patrol at one of the most famous ski resorts in the U S what was that process? So you mentioned the two-year training and then the knolls. It sounds like all fun and games. You know, you're going outside and playing all the time. But, but really, what was that process like, and, and were there challenges in that? Yeah, um, that's a good question. There were de- definitely challenges. Um, I would say the way that I've ended up at these places in my career has happened one of two ways. And the first for me personally, the first is what I described, you know, going to work for Knowles is I saw something that I wanted to do. And then I figured out the steps that I needed to take to get there. And then I worked over a long period of time to make that happen. 
that happened with Knowles. It happened with Speed Patrol. Um, you know, the first time I took the speed test, I didn't pass. Go figure, a girl from North Carolina. But then I worked really hard <laughs> on my skiing for two years, and I did pass the second time. Uh, now I've been patrolling for eight years. But then some other things in my career that have happened, I haven't necessarily sought out. You know, like five years ago, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go be a ranger on Denali. Instead, I've just sought out experiences that have challenged me um, and given me opportunities to learn and grow. And then in doing that, you know, it's, it keeps opening up new doors for me. Um, so, you know, the ski patrolling and then through Knowles, I, I basically learned how to mountaineer about 10 years ago and met partners and went and did hard things with them and up my skills to the point where I, you know, all of a sudden, like one of my friends who was a Denali Ranger was like, you should apply for this job. Like your skill set fits it really well. And it wasn't something I thought about in the past, but with his encouragement, I applied and I got the job and that's been another really cool opportunity. Um, so yeah, either seeking things out or just keeping an open mind and trying to further my skill set and learn as much as possible. Those are kind of the ways that I've moved forward in my career. It sounds like such a healthy way to go. Uh, often you think of someone getting into dropping into ski patrol and feeling, feeling insecure and not confident in their skills. And it sounds like you've built those skills and kind of matched the right timing to get into things and also coupled that with a growth mindset. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, and yeah, absolutely. What, what, uh, if anything was different for you as a woman in these fields, because they're, they're all traditionally male centered. Yeah. So, you know, obviously I haven't, had experience as a male in these fields. So I don't know what that's like, but mm -hmm. I can tell you that um, still, you know, to this day, I'm, I'm typically in the minority in the room. Um, and that can be intimidating for sure. Um, Cause I think there's internal and external doubt that exists about your abilities. Um, you know, you walk into a room full of guys and the the dialogue in my head is like, uh, I know I stand out because I'm a woman. A woman, like, I assume I'm going to have to prove myself to these people. Um, I and whether or not that's true, that that thought still exists in my head. And then, you know, what the guys in the room are thinking, I don't always know. Sometimes they do verbalize it, and it, um, you know, men will speak to their doubts to their fitness and that's something I have to deal with. And every time I hear that, I'm like, Oh, I wonder how many of these guys aren't verbalizing that. So it, mm. it's kind of like this dialogue that you're just constantly grappling with. And it sometimes it's, it feels more present than other times, but it's just kind of that recognition that you're in the minority in the room can be challenging. Yeah. And, and what's interesting and maybe sad about that is probably you would have the same experience in New York as an investment banker. Do you have any advice or ways that you've dealt with that, uh, that women listening to the show could use? Yeah. Um, I don't think I've totally figured it out yet because I still mm. have those moments of doubt. Um, but you know, sometimes I suppress it. Sometimes I embrace it. I'm like, okay, why am I feeling anxious? And then just identifying, that self-doubt. And then I think falling back on what I know uh, about my ability is like, and just, you know, 
the positive self-talk, like I deserve to be here. I work for this. I have the skills to do this. It doesn't matter if the other people in the room don't know what my skills are. Um, so I'm just trying to talk myself through it. And sometimes I don't think about it, which is really nice. And sometimes it's really obvious. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, seeking out uh, other women mentors who have, you know, kind of paved the way for me has been really helpful too. And just sharing stories about that experience, like being the minority is also really helpful. Yeah, that's, that's great uh, advice of finding mentors, which is sometimes hard uh, as there haven't been that many women in that field. And then just sharing stories. Uh, we're going to yeah. take a quick moment to recognize one of our sponsors. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good and are working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a powerful force for good, and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. Thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all our sponsors and partners. Okay, welcome back. Leading on the edge with our guest, Chrissy Oaken. Chrissy, one, one thing in the pre-preparation uh, for the show that was interesting to me is the idea of you coming up on a man as a ski patroller and the man not wanting your help because he doesn't believe that you can help him how do you deal with that? <laughs> um, you know, I try and deal with it with a sense of humor um, and <laughs> some direct communication. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, right? Like you called for help and then you don't want the person that showed up to help you. <laughs> they are like, well, then don't call us. <laughs> you don't get to pick yeah. who the rescuer is. Um, but I don't know. I, I always get some satisfaction with, uh, with taking care of those people and kind of like showing them you're being ridiculous. Like I can think of a couple instances, ski patrolling, um, that I just have to laugh about. I mean, there's one in the back bowls, this guy, this pretty big guy, like six, five blew his knee out at the top of, uh, an ungroomed black run. And I showed up to assess him and I'm joking around with him. And then I call for another patroller in a toboggan and the patroller who shows up is also a woman. And you, I could tell the guy was starting to get nervous. He goes, oh, two, <laughs> two girls, huh? And I was like, yep, two girls. <laughs> and oh we're like, str we're strapping him in. And he's like, you know, he's kind of muttering. And he's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be such a little girl about this. And I was like, well, you better shut your mouth because these two little girls are about to take you down the mountain. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> And we started taking him down, and he's, like, sticking his head out of the toboggan. He's clearly, like, freaking out a little bit. And, of course, you know, we run a good rig, get him down to the bottom. And all of his friends are like, oh, my God, that was awesome. And I'm just, like, rolling my eyes in my head. But I'm like, you know, that's I, – so I feel like I have a, a handful of instances like that where the person has verbalized directly to me that they would prefer that a man was there. So, again, it just goes back to that I expect for all the people that verbalize it, there are a bunch that are still thinking it but don't verbalize it. Um, and I just, you know, show up, do my job like a professional and hopefully change in people's minds. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, great mindset because I, I feel like I would take the smaller road and be like, well, 
have a good one then. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not good for job security if you start leaving uh, people behind, even if they are saying you should. Yeah. Well, I, and I have done that before when I've had some male guests cross the line into like sexual harassment. And I can think mm-hmm. of two times where it's just like, you know, I'm not dealing with this person. I am going to call a male patroller and they can deal with this jerk. <laughs> yeah. Please, please tell me you talk to the the patroller and make sure that there's at least a 30 minute wait for that pickup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Chrissy, I want to talk about women and leadership a little bit. And you skied Mount Logan, which is the second tallest peak in North America on an all women team. I'm curious what that experience is like. Yeah. Uh, well, it was awesome. Um, it was really cool. I went, with my friend Sarah, um, who is all, who is a really talented mountaineer, also a ski patroller, and I met her through Knowles. So you know, I was talking about how I, I learned how to mountaineer through Knowles and met partners that way. And she's one of the people that really helped. Um, I got to, you know, I went out into the mountains and kind of got after it with her and did some cool stuff to expand my experience. And one of the things was going to ski Mount Logan. Um, we had first the year prior tried to ski Denali and got totally shut down by weather. And that was my first experience on that mountain. And it was, you know, pretty typical experience up there. The weather is really bad. But the next year we decided instead of going back to Denali, we would go somewhere with less people. So we went to Mount Logan, which is in Canada. And yeah, we, we flew on just, you know, the two of us on our skis and uh, we summited in 16 days, dealt with some really harsh weather together, uh, Again, dealing with that with a good sense of humor is important, I think. Um, mm-hmm. We went, summited, and the next day skied back down to base camp. And it was a really, really incredible experience, just the two of us out there. Like, I remember going onto the summit plateau of this mountain. You have to go over this 18,000-foot pass, and then you're on this huge, wide summit plateau. And you're kind of – it feels like you're hanging it out there because – if weather came in while you're on the summit plateau, you'd have to go back and up over that 18,000 foot pass to escape. So skiing down from that, I don't think I've ever felt <laughs> further out there in my life. Cause I was like, well, if weather comes in, something happens, it's just going to be the two of us figuring this out together. And that was scary, but awesome. Uh, it was a really cool experience. It sounds amazing. Was anything different uh, having an all women team? Would, would it feel different or look different with men on the team? Um, yeah, that's a good, that's a really good question. I, it's not like I intentionally thought out stuff with Sarah because we were both women. I think our, you know, our styles are of expeditioning just fit really well together and our motivation um, fit really well together. I think it is it is awesome being in those situations with women. Um, like Sarah and I also then went on to guide Denali together with another woman, an all-female team. Um, and I think just there's definitely a point of pride uh, kind mm. of showing people up a little bit, which I think can also be a, a mental trap, you know, because you want to you prove people to people that women can do this type of stuff. So I think being aware of that was in the forefront of my mind, like making sure we're making good decisions, even with the, that added pressure. And then I think just going through hard stuff with other women is cool. Like you can commiserate about shared experiences and, um, 
yeah, there's a special experience for sure. Yeah, it sounds like it. I'm I'm getting all jealous over here just listening. It sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> do you think that women in general have unique strengths as leaders? Yeah, that's that is a good question. Um and I'm not sure that it's just, you know, by virtue of being a woman that you have unique strengths. Maybe maybe there are, but I think more what I've noticed is that, you know, women have to put up with a lot of, a lot of uh, pressure and bias, I think. Um, And I think learning how to navigate that makes you a better communicator, makes you more self-aware, makes you a better listener in some ways, because I think that women are really used to being spoken over. Um, Mm. So having that experience, I think can make you a a better leader though. It is quite frustrating and that can be wearing. Um, But, you know, I, I was thinking about this question and, you know, Knowles used to at an early stab at at inclusivity used to talk about uh, male and female leadership styles, just trying to understand, I think why uh, men and women operate differently. And I'm glad they've moved away from that because I'm not sure Mm. that you can just assign leadership strengths based on gender or any, you know, sort of identity like that. But I think being aware of like, you know, a a woman might be called bossy, whereas a a man is recognized as confident. Like, you know, maybe that's the same people exhibit the same skills, but they're just viewed differently because of your gender, which is frustrating for sure. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's not so much that women have unique strengths. It's just that we view different behaviors or traits differently for, for different genders. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'm going to have to mull that one over for a couple of days. It's really an interesting observation. Um, Chrissy, what, one of my favorite or least favorite, I don't know, memories of you is, is coming back from a Knowles course. Uh, and then I was instructing with another man and, and a woman and there was some feedback and you were debriefing us. You were kind of in charge of the instructors and you said, Hey, there's some feedback here about how you all stepped on or, or didn't allow space for the woman on your instructor team um, to lead. And, you know, both of us immediately jumped in to defend ourselves. And then I saw, I was like, Oh geez, yep. We're doing it right now, um, <laughs> which is a hard, hard realization, right? Because you you think, oh, I'm enlightened or I'm doing a good job, and then often we realize that we're not actually doing as well as we think. And I think you handled that with grace. So I tell all of that just to ask, you know, do you have any advice on how women can point out to men like, hey, you could do better here without men getting really defensive? Because I think that's a huge problem. Well, Knight, I, I think it's funny the way that you phrase that question, and I, I hope you'll excuse me, but it's not, I feel like it's not the Please. women's job. Like, even the way mm. you phrase that, like, how can women point out how men can do better? And it's kind of like, well, it's kind of on the men or anyone in a majority group um, getting feedback from a minority group about how they're performing it's kind of on you to control that defensive reaction. And I think that is the, the biggest piece of advice I have is, you know, when you, you get feedback about how you're acting in any way, 
that that's typically our first reaction, right? Is to be defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we, we all want to be good. We want to do a good job. Um, and when someone points out something to us that we can't see, like typically our first reaction is that defensive, um, defensive one. So I think taking the time to recognize why you're having that reaction, um, and just noting that that's like a totally normal reaction to have. Um, but then kind of diving into, okay, maybe I didn't recognize this was happening, but why is this other person having this experience? Like not discounting what they're trying to tell you about what they're experiencing, I think is really important. And just taking the time to like sit on it and try and understand it. Even if your initial reaction is that's not true. Yeah. And to be clear, I I don't think that's right, but I think the problem is that men are in a power position. And so there isn't, you know, unless men decide to listen and, and think through and take that great advice of take some time and think it, think it through a lot of times we, myself included, are just like, well, I don't agree with that. So I'm not going to think about it and we move on and nothing changes. So I, I think yeah. that's what I'm trying to get to the, the core of is how do we move past that? Because it's not fair or right that women should have to point out anything at all. We should just see it, but it, it is <laughs> yeah. the way that the world is. Totally. Well, I think for, you know, a male identifying person who wants to change that behavior, like seeking out relationships with women mm-hmm. and asking them about their experiences and just seeking to understand um, why they're feeling that way, what, what is happening uh, in their lives and what they're experiencing and just like having a sense of curiosity about it. And even if it sounds totally unbelievable or you're like, Oh, you can't be experiencing that. Like trying to set that aside. Um, Cause I think a lot of times, you know, women point out bias and I, or I know personally I have pointed out bias to a bunch of uh, men that I am close to in my life with a wide array of reactions from supportive to dismissive, like, Oh no, I, I think you're misinterpreting that situation. Um, mm. So I think the more open-minded men can be about listening to women's experiences, the more you'll learn and the better we'll all get. The, the problem here, Chrissy, is that I probably can't keep up with you on the mountain to have those conversations. <laughs> but uh, that is great advice is not waiting until the bias needs to be pointed out, but asking and listening. Uh, I think that's a great takeaway for, yeah. for anyone is to create the relationship and ask. How, how does this affect you? Um, Chrissy, what do you wish you could tell your 23-year-old self? <laughs> um, uh, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think my 23-year-old self would not believe where I am right now. Um, like I said, this is not – this is not – like I didn't visualize this spot and then end up here. I I just – kept seeking out new experiences and ended up in this really wonderful place. So I guess that's the advice that I would give is, um, you know, keep an open mind, just keep seeking out new things, keep challenging yourself and not, not to get so hung up on what is expected of me. Like that's something that really stressed me out in my early twenties, um, doing something completely different than what I thought I was going to end up doing. And, um, uh, yeah, kind of dealing with uh, changing expectations, which were mostly external. 
Um, great, great advice. It's such an arbitrary number, 23, but maybe even 21, yeah. 25, well, I, I don't think know. Cause, no, because I took a semester off. I think that's when I was about fresh out of college. It's 22 or 23, but. There you go. What's next for you, Chrissy? Um, well, I'm really excited to ski patrol this winter. Um, and then I do have to leave early to go back up to Denali middle of March. We have about a month and a half training block, uh, before the season starts. And then kind of the next exciting opportunity I have coming up is the park service is sending me to paramedic school next year. Um, so middle of June, I'll be in Denver for six months at Denver health doing their accelerated paramedic program. So I'm really excited to go back to school for a little bit, a little nervous, about that and uh yeah excited to see what opportunities that brings in the future sounds very cool and, and also to share in our conversation prior to this you were doing helicopter insert training with avalanche dogs so just another day <laughs> in the life um in case just our try, listeners to try to keep it interesting want, yeah you, you do a good job of that you do <laughs> in case our listeners do want to reach out and connect with you what's the best way for them to do that um, yeah, they can email me. Uh, my email is chrissy.oken at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-S-I-E dot O-K-E-N. Um, love to hear from people. And then uh, the other way I was thinking about is Instagram, I guess. It's not like I'm an Instagram influencer, but it is a way that I use to keep in touch with people and keep up with friends. Um, so, yeah, that's just chrissy.oken. And, yeah, love to hear from anyone that has questions or Great. We'll include that information in the show notes for people. Uh, Chrissy, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you sharing your insights and experience. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's nice to talk to you this morning. I know. We'll, we'll have to do it again. Okay, that's all for our show today. Thank you again, Chrissy, for being our guest, and thank you to all our listeners around the world. Remember, you can always tune into Women Lead Radio shows Mondays at 9 a.m. and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It has been my pleasure to be your host today. I hope this episode inspires you to keep exploring, pushing your boundaries, and leading on the edge. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where life-focused, business-to-business, executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.